0: that said, I think I'm done. Am I missing anything? I got the prayer request wrote down that that came to me today. So am I missing anything else? Anybody? All right, let's go ahead and open up our Bibles. Go to Psalm chapter number 64, if you would. Psalm chapter 64. We're going to be turning around just a little bit tonight. Um, I'm not exactly sure how this is going to come out. Really, what I got tonight, I could teach it. Um, Kind of a verse by verse, and I could start preaching too. I could literally preach this outline like a regular preaching message. So we'll just see what happens, okay? Uh, I know where I'm going. I know what what the thought is and all that stuff. But I just am not sure how it's going to come out. Psalm chapter number 64, to the chief musician of Psalm of David. Hear my voice, O God, in my prayer. Preserve my life from fear of the enemy. Hide me from the secret counsel of the wicked, from the insurrection of the workers of iniquity. Who wet their tongue like a sword and bend their bows to shoot their arrows, even bitter words. That they may shoot in secret at the perfect. Suddenly do they shoot at him and fear not. They encourage themselves in an evil matter. They commune of lying snares privily. They say, who shall see them? They search out iniquities. They accomplish a diligent search. Both the inward thought of every one of them and the heart is deep. But God shall shoot at them with an arrow. Suddenly shall they be wounded. So shall they make their own tongue to fall upon themselves. All that see them shall flee away. All men and all men shall fear and shall declare the work of God. For they shall wisely consider of his doing. The righteous shall be glad in the Lord and shall trust in him. And all the upright in heart shall glory. Let's pray. Father, I love you tonight. Thank you, Lord, for this church. Uh, And I, uh, Lord, I mean that from my heart just. Uh, overwhelmed Father by the blessing that they've been just getting the flowers there in the in the hospital room Father was a real blessing just I don't know that I can remember being on the receiving end of that at least not from this church And uh, that just really was a blessing to me and to my wife and my kids Lord thank you for that thank you for the love we feel tonight thank you for the privilege to be standing here tonight to be in this pulpit thank you for all you're doing God And there, there's, there's new prayer requests on our heart and mind uh, Lord for uh, these other folks in our church, and we just ask you to hear those prayers and continue to do what you're doing. We ask you to work. We ask you to move. We ask you to speak to our hearts tonight as we get into this subject. What a timely subject, and it just never ceases to amaze me how you work and speak and move through this book, God. It's just unbelievable, and I thank you for it, and I pray, Father, you'd use me now. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. amen. I want to talk to you from verse number one on the subject of God's help with fear. Look at that in verse number one. He says, hear my voice, O God, in my prayer. Preserve my life from fear of the enemy. I, I notice it, Paul, David making this request to preserve his life. I got thinking about that. Because I, I look up to David. You understand what I'm saying? I think King David was cool. <laughs> I look up to Elijah. I mean, I think Elijah's a cool dude. How about Gideon? Gideon's, a, I mean, I read my Bible as a little boy, and I remember reading about Gideon, and I thought, man, what a dude. <laughs> like, I, I wanted to be a guy like that. How about Joshua? I mean, going into the promised land and just sticking, wiping everybody out, just that to me was cool, you know? I just Moses sitting up on the hill, and Aaron and her are holding up his arms, and who's down there fighting the young guy? And he's the one that God takes to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. I mean, I, I thought that just, I thought, see, I've always viewed them one way. I think I've always viewed those guys one way because of where I had been in my life up to that point. All I saw was their strength. All I saw was the cool things about them. All I recognized was the highlights of their life. What I never saw was verse number one. I just never noticed it. I mean, dummy me, I guess my dunce cap is back on again. But I just always overlooked that my entire life. I mean, there it is in this verse. David is full of fear. That brings my thought to the fact that Paul tells Timothy, God hath not given us a spirit of, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Paul recurringly, you would notice if you watch and study what Paul's saying to Timothy, Paul recurringly tells Timothy that he's to be strong, that he's to be bold. Moses had to tell Joshua to be strong and have a good courage, to fear not. Elijah went into a fit of fear because that woman said she was going to kill him. Elijah got overwhelmed with fear. Gideon, the great man, the warrior, the leader, the, You know, we look at Gideon and he's a young guy reading my Bible. All I saw was his conquerings and all the great things he did. But when God showed up to call Gideon, he's hiding behind the wine press. And it's like, oh, thou mighty man of valor. I think God's using sarcasm just a little bit. I mean, it reminds me of when I was at Brother Linz's church, and I had left Crown College, and people have asked me, like, you lived in your car? I mean, how did you live in your car? Like, Well, I did it more than once in my life, but at that particular point, I had left Crown College. I had everything that I owned in my Red Dodge dynasty. My fiancé had gone home to Fayetteville, and I'm, I knew where God wanted me. I just didn't have a job there or anywhere to live there, right? So I'm kind of in the car and Jim says, No, you can sleep on the on, Brother Lynch says, No, you can sleep on the church pew. So I'm sleeping on the church pew. They thankfully they had a little shower in the men's bathroom, real tiny thing, but he didn't turn on the hot water. No, really. It was ice cold. I'm almost positive it was out of a well, because it was like that ice cold. He finally realized a couple days later that I didn't have hot water. He said, You idiot, why didn't you say something, man? I said, oh, he's like, you should have said something, man. What an idiot, you know, which made me feel even better, you know. (laughs) But anyhow, I remember I was so scared sleeping in that building at night because there weren't any windows. If you've heard or listened to his messages, how he talked about bricking up the building because they didn't have the money to put in windows, that was, like, very true. They didn't have windows. So they bricked up the building. Now, listen, I'm a city kid, right? I'm down there in a very country area. That's a very scary thing. Do you understand that? It's very scary to walk around at night in a country area where it's very dark. There's animals out there. Like, human animals are one thing. Those real animals, those are, those are scary. Do you understand what I'm saying? You know how to deal with a gangster, but you would like a bear? What are you going to do about that? Or a lion or rattlesnakes everywhere, that kind of stuff? I was creeped out, man. And then I knew that I couldn't hide because I stuck out like a sore thumb. We're in the mountains, and I'm not a mountain boy, okay? Let's just leave it at that. I was scared. I had my my grandpa's, my great uncle Tony's, or my mom's uncle, whatever that is, my great uncle Tony's or my great great uncle Tony's. No, it was two greats, because it was grandpa's uncle. He was in the mafia. He had a 1901 Hopkins and Allen little revolver, a third little 32 special. Okay? Well, grandpa had given that to me, that was all I had. I was very scared. I'd put that thing under my pillow and I'd sleep in the church with the gun under my pillow, right? I I was trying to find my spot, and it was, like, really creeped out in the back pew over around where Todd is. was where I would sleep, and it was just kind of, like, really creeped out. So I finally would, I moved into the little cafeteria room, and I kind of went back in the corner and made myself a little bed back there in the corner up against the wall. thought, this is a good spot, defendable spot, you know, and I'm laying here. Well, Brother Lentz was highly mischievous, highly mischievous. And he would get off work, like, 4.30 or 5 in the morning. And he'd come down there, and he'd, he'd, he'd come in that church, and he'd try to sneak in there, that door. would squeak, like that. But he, I don't know how he did it, but he got that door open. He got in that church building. He'd come all the way in there. He said, hey! Like that, middle of the night, man, pitch dark. I jumped up. I'm flying around like that, and I'm going to grab the thing. He said, what are you going to do with that? <laughs> felt like an idiot. talking about fear <laughs> let me tell you something you know what? let me tell you something let me tell you something honestly there's some things that scare me now when I was young I never used to get scared much I felt like my dad could take anybody then I got to be in my 20s and completely lost my mind my teens and my 20s I completely lost my mind I didn't feel like you know those stories had happened but that's never going to happen to me God, she was saying it this week, she's like, I'm surprised you survived some, amen, fellas? Some stupid things you did, because now you've lived long enough to see what can happen. And I'm telling you something, I have some things that scare me. I guess I always did have it, but I just hadn't lived long enough to have some things happen yet, to wake it up. We'd walk through the parking lot when I was a boy and there was a slogan that was out. It was the big popular slogan at the time and it said, no fear. Everybody had those stickers on the back of their cars. So how many of you remember that? Some of you guys my age remember that and older? And my dad would stop me and I remember we were in 12 Oaks parking lot walking into the mall and he grabbed me he stopped he said, look at that. I said, yeah, he said, that means no brains. That guy's an idiot. Because he didn't want his son to do something stupid. Get hurt. I never forgot that. But I didn't understand that because oh come on man you're just being you're just being a sissy that ain't gonna happen oh my goodness just so dramatic hypochondriac yeah, yeah yeah well you live a little while and guess what fear comes knocking at your door yeah. actually when you read Ecclesiastes as you get older fear grows you watch the old people walk around here so I hope some of you little kids are listening. You watch the old people walk around here and and you'll notice they're a little bit insecure sometimes in the way they're moving. Do you know they've forgotten more than you've learned? Did did you hear what I just said? They have forgotten more than you've learned yet. Their value is goes so far beyond what most people recognize because they're too dumb and I'm not being mean to you, okay? I really feel happy tonight and I love you all a lot. I hope you understand that. I'm, sometimes I feel bad about the way I talk and then Pretty when sweet. I start trying to be sweet, it don't work for me, okay? It's, it like, it's like fake, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> You're too dumb and inexperienced. Young people, not you, but young people can be too dumb and inexperienced to recognize the value in the older people. They're moving so weak sometimes. They're moving so careful sometimes. They're moving so slow sometimes. Why? Because they're afraid of falling. Because when you get to be Mrs. Ferguson's age, if you fall, that's not a good thing. Right, right. That's actually a pretty big deal. Right. It actually can be a really big deal. So, you've got to understand that fear grows with time. It's funny to me that we're coming into a time of the year where, guess what? the the theme of the year is the theme of the month. It's fear. I wonder what we're doing to the psychology, and I'm not a psychologist. Never going to go there. Not even, not even. Plan, I just wonder what we're doing to the psychology of our children when we teach them that this is cool, that demons and witches and graves. This is all just a great thing. It's all, oh, it's candy season. It's like our favorite holiday now. It's all about death, and it's all about devils, and it's all about scary things. And like, really? Like, what are we teaching our kids? We're Walking by somebody's yard in our neighborhood, you know? I mean, here's these educated and whatever, it, you know, more than likely is. And there's grave plots all over the thing. My kids are like, Dad, like, that's what, that, that's what they're teaching kids, little kids? Like, that started a conversation because it, like, hit one of my daughters. It was one of those light bulb moments, something you always know, but it just, like, really hit you that moment. And she was like, that's sick. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we attended some funerals here at, recently. There's nothing about that that's like, oh, where's the candy? There's nothing about that that's, like, entertaining. That's actually something that instinctively in you and I, we fear. And it's normal to fear some of those things. I want to show you a couple things. Let's start getting into the text here. I want you to go back to the first time the word fear shows up in your Bible. Go back with me to Genesis chapter number 9 and look at verse number 2. Genesis 9-2. The first time the word fear comes in the Bible. I'm really hoping this is going to be a help to some of you. Now this isn't the first time afraid shows up, but this is the first mention of the word fear. It says, And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the field and upon every fowl of the air, upon all that moveth upon the earth and upon all the fishes of the sea. Into your hand are they delivered. So, so God says, listen, the fear of you is going to be on those animals. Now, what was that? That's the fight or flight. In other words, those animals know you're hunting them. And they know that they have one or two options when you're coming their way. That's why they all run. It's fight or flight. God said, I'll make sure that that response is coupled with dread. I'll make sure when that fear thing hits them that they don't attack you but that I make sure the fear in them drives them to get away from you. I'll fear and dread. you see that in the passage? First time it's mentioned. God established fear for the animals. God did not establish fear for you and I. Isn't that interesting? Now think about that for a second. When God put Adam and Eve in the garden, he didn't want any fear in their life. They had no knowledge of good and evil. They only had knowledge of good. God did not want them to have a knowledge of evil. With no knowledge of evil, there would be no what? Knowledge of fear. Yeah. Those, those animals are afraid you're going to end their life. That's an evil day. That, that's evil defined in the Bible is not always like witches and warlocks and Halloween, right? Evil means a bad day. Like Saturday was an evil day for us. Okay? So that's, that's, what, that's a definition of the word evil, according to the Bible. So without any fall of man, without any sin, there's no knowledge of evil. So there was no fear. They're like little kids. You've got to teach them not to run out in the road. They had no idea that they were naked because they were that innocent. There was no threat. There was no danger. There was no anything. They were just completely innocent. They were right where God wanted them. They only had the knowledge of good. And God said, listen, I don't want you to eat that because I don't want you to get the knowledge of evil. I don't want you to know more. Now watch it. Watch it. You're in a generation where they just have to know more. Your flesh will get you to check out the news. Okay? That's your flesh. The devil will set you up while you're checking it out. Let me explain what I'm saying. We got all this weird gender stuff now, right? And all this obsession with, uh, I'm going to use a a word that's good with kids in the room and all that, all this obsession with um, immorality. So there will be all these articles on there, and they'll be talking about educating the children. Now, we're all like, what are they teaching the kids in the public schools? What are they doing to the kids? What are they doing to the kids? Oh, what are these horrible people doing to the kids? We gotta know all this. What are they teaching them? And then they go in there and they start listing this stuff about immorality. And they have all these abbreviations. And all those abbreviations mean something. You know what God said? You don't need to know. You know what your temptation's gonna be and the devil's gonna do? Look up that one. What's that mean? What is that? What is that? Go ahead and read what's in the books that they're publishing in the schools. God said you don't need to know that stuff. He doesn't want you to have a knowledge of it. He wants you to have no knowledge of evil, but he wants you to have a discernment of evil. Do you understand the difference? A knowledge of evil is, I know and understand what that is. A discernment of evil is, just to say it simply... Just a sense of, I'll pick the good one for you because I think you're a good kid. Right? Something about that ain't, I'm not, I didn't feel right. That's all you need to know. Do you know sometimes you don't have to explain why you don't believe that? You just know, mm -mm. sometimes you don't have to explain why you won't hang out with them. You just have to say, didn't feel right. Well, I just don't know. Why are you being so silly? Why are you being so silly? I I don't really know. But something about it wasn't right. That's a discernment of evil. That's what God wants us to have. The more knowledge of evil, the more fear you're going to get. Because it comes together. I'm telling you, the wages of sin hurt. And the more you know about sin, the more tempted you're going to be to get into it. And the more you understand it, the more you mess around with it, the more you stop and you ask and you talk and you converse with the devil and you figure out what that is. And, I, oh, really? and, I, and I'm just just educating you. The more pain you're bringing into your life. And the more evil you have, the more fear that will develop. Isn't that interesting? That's the first time it's mentioned. Look at, look at another passage. If you would, please go over to Genesis chapter number 15. I want you to see God's will for his man. Genesis chapter number 15. After these words, the Lord, the, after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision saying, What? How many times does God tell his people, Fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not? Isn't that interesting? God repeatedly instructs us in the Bible not to fear. But you know what is built into you naturally since the fall of man? A fear response. Now, hear me clearly, lest you think I'm being a nut job. Fear is good. Fear is a natural response of your body to keep you safe. There are certain people that don't have that. It's a, it's a genuine thing, and they usually don't live long. Jump off the roof. Okay. <laughs> when they don't have the fear response in their body, you'd be dead. You know that? Right. It's a necessary thing because of the fall. But it can be an overwhelming thing. God does not want you to misunderstand fear or to not know how to handle fear. Look with me, if you would, at Genesis chapter number 3. I want you to see something here. Those are the first two mentions of the word fear but look at the first time the word afraid is mentioned Genesis chapter 3 and look at verse number 10 not verse number 9 And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him Where art thou And he said I heard thy voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself All right so you know afraid is being filled with fear So it's not the first mention of the word fear but it is the first mention of the word afraid it was a human being filled with something God did not want a human being filled with. He was afraid. You know why? Because he had sinned. And you know what he did when he got afraid? The same thing you and I tend to do when we're afraid. Rather than run to God, he ran from God. Parents, is it not, am I not accurate here? And I hope I would hope you would all agree with this. If your kid's over here and they mess up, they do something wrong, they're stupid, did something they know better, you taught them better, knuckle-headed idiot did something just like, what did you do that for? Right? And they're over here and they do it, and you're over there. What would you want your kid to do? You have no idea they did it yet. If that kid goes, oh no, what did I just do? Dad! 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 Dad, oh my goodness, Dad, you wouldn't believe what I just did. You know what your first reaction is as Dad? Okay, honey, calm down. What did you do? Are you kidding me, you knucklehead? What? okay, Okay, calm down, honey. I'm glad that you are really sorry you did that. Let's see what we can do to fix it so we don't do it again. Right? Yeah. But if your kid's over here and they do something stupid and you're over there and you don't know yet and your kid runs the other way, you're going to find out, aren't you, Mom and Dad? Come on, come on, let them know it. Because you, you, you do pray that God shows you, don't you, Mom and Dad? Amen. And God always seems to line that stuff up sooner or later because the book says, be sure your sin will find you out. Amen. And you find out later. How's that go down? You just multiplied the problem there, dear I'm still daddy and I love you, but we got us an issue now. We got a big issue now, right? You know, your natural response with God is when you're full of fear is to run from him rather than to him. Because you got an adversary that sees that fear, sees that opportunity and knows how to capitalize on it. He knows how to use your fear against you in your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Spin down through the text real quick, if you would. We're going to look at a couple other verses, but let's go back to Psalm 64. And I promise you, it's going to, we're not going to be long. We need to be seeking God about this thing like David did in verse number one. He says, hear my cry, O God, in my prayer. Preserve my life from fear of the enemy. Now, I mentioned all these other guys that I see as so strong. And then realizing when I look at them, like, my goodness, these powerful men were really weak at times, really afraid at times, really full of fear at times. You know what else I noticed about all those same guys? I noticed how they talk to God in their fear. He says, hear my voice, O God, in my prayer, preserve my life. You know what he's doing? He's begging God. He, he's a man. He's a warrior. He's a grown man. And he's on his face begging God, begging God, God, please listen to me. I noticed a lack of arrogance in these men. There's a lack of arrogance in their prayer life. It's almost like they do not expect God to be their bellboy. Their attitude toward God is not, well, you know, I've been doing right and I just don't, you're supposed to answer prayer and I don't know why you didn't answer prayer and you're God of prayer and I have faith and I believe the Bible and you're not answering my prayer. Why are you waiting so long to answer my prayer? There's not that attitude in any of them. There's a a begging of God to please, God, hear my, please incline your ear unto me. God, I know that I'm not worthy. I know I deserve whatever you send my way. I know better people than me have had worse things happen. God, I get all of that, but you're still merciful, but you're still... Still loving, but you're still gracious, but you're still kind. So if you choose not to listen to me, you're still going to be right. But would you please listen to me? They go right to God with their fear. They don't run from Him, and they go to Him the right way, with the right expectations. And this is why I think when you watch them, these guys are examples to us, given us in the Bible, on how we're to handle our fears so we can be like these guys who really aren't any stronger than we are. Notice, we need to know how to get to God and know how to handle our fears because we do have some very dangerous enemies. Look at verse six. They search out iniquities. They accomplish a diligent search. Both the inward thought of every one of them and the heart is deep. You know, you got an enemy that wants to find your faults. You know, the Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren. I'm not just talking about people, because if you're a Christian, there will be people that want to find your faults. They're waiting to see you mess up. And if they're watching close enough and watching long enough and you work with them all the time and they're in your family, they're going to get you sooner or later because you're a what? (laughs) You're a sinner, just like everybody else. Uh, but you're a Christian, see? You're trying, to, you're trying to live for God. You love Jesus Christ. You're here tonight. You, you're not accepting the fact that you're a sinner and excusing it, but you just still kind of mess up, right? Yes. Sir. And boy, they don't care about the Lord. They're not trying. You are. They're waiting to see when they see the similarities between you and them and ha-ha, got him. Right. You got a dangerous enemy. And the devil will set that thing up just so you get caught. Just so they spot what you did. I'll never forget my kids coming home from school one time, so tore up, man. Because there's kids kids passing stuff around the classroom and all that punks are getting away with it. And then they handed it to a girl who was trying. My daughter's, My daughter's eyewitness testimony, they handed it to a girl that she thought was trying at the time to do right. And the punk set her up, hand it to her just in time to go like that. And the teacher turned around and caught the girl that's been trying. And she come home like she's crying and angry and like pounding on the counter and just like, I can't believe that. And it's like, yeah. Yeah. That's how it works, son. That's life. You know what you do? You do right anyhow. Yeah, yeah but they got in trouble. Yeah, God saw it you got a dangerous enemy. You know what you need to do? You need to get right to God as quick as you can get to God. Why? Because you got a dangerous enemy that wants to set you up. Now, I'm not trying to freak you out. I'm going to give you some hope in just a little bit. I want to point some stuff out to you. But I want you to understand the reality of your dangerous enemy. Notice verse number 5. Not only do they search out your iniquity... But they set you up for destruction. They encourage themselves in an evil matter. They commune of laying snares privily. They say, Who shall see them? You know, the devil tries to set you up. You do understand that, right? Life happens to everybody, right? I've talked to you about that over and over and over again. Like, don't get so superstitious and super spiritual that, oh, I went to church on Wednesday night, and that's why I hit a deer on the way home. No, you hit a deer on the way home because it's rut season, so everybody be careful when you leave tonight, okay? And pay attention. And don't be staring at the kid in the back seat. Keep your eyes on the road. Check the sides, right? Uh, Defensive driving. And you hit a deer. Here's how that becomes, normal stuff in life becomes supernatural, when you hit the deer, the devil sits on your shoulder, the principalities and powers show up and say, if you'd have been home, this wouldn't have happened. You went to church and that's why. Do you see how that works? You can't throw away one because we have the other. Some people get so spiritual that they become like charismatic. And that and, the, and they're they're like like you think you're like that spiritual that everything's all about the devil and you all the time. On the other end of the spectrum, you get so so practical and doctrinal that you forget that there is a spirit world we're fighting against and you got some enemies that are dangerous. And they're going to try to work, they're going to set up those snares for you. I will tell you what one of the snares is. It's the internet. It, it, now nah, listen, this isn't a doctrinal statement. It's just very practically interesting to me. It's called the what? The worldwide what? Ain't that interesting? Get your feet caught in a what? It's a snare. You want to know something? Let me tell you something, especially for you preachers out of this church, okay? I want to tell you something. Preachers are getting themselves messed up because of the cotton-picking Internet. If you got to get up and not say certain words because of the Internet in your pulpit, you're being censored by your fame. I can't say that because if I say it, I'm going to get kicked off the Internet. Kick me off the Internet. What do I care? I can still preach to you right here on Wednesday night. And I'm preaching the same. I've always preached. I'm not going to be a lying, compromising, sniveling, hypocrite. I am what I am. If that means I don't have an Internet ministry, well, God didn't call me to an Internet ministry. He called me to pastor a church. And that's you. I hope people can get help from the stupid thing, but I stinking—I don't like it. <laughs> I'd be good with just disconnecting it and leaving them up in case we get shut down again, and then I can do the thing. You know what I mean? But I mean, I was, I'm not crazy about it. I ain't gonna—it's it, a snare. Right. Well, what if they're watching? What they? First of all, get over yourself. People aren't—it's not like that yet in the U.S. I know it could be the next thirty years or so, but it's really not like that nowadays. Okay. We're afraid of things that aren't even there yet. And secondly, if they do, don't we have a God in heaven? <laughs> if they're laying a snare for me, okay, so I'm going like, to start tiptoeing through the tulips or I'm going to get up and preach on Sunday. I'm going to come in here and like, you know, thank you for, for, for supporting me like you do. I really appreciate it. It's a huge blessing. And, and I know you want me to preach, but I, I don't want to get in trouble. It's a snare. If I got the fear showing up, I run to the Father when the fear shows up because I got to know that God can help me with the fear and I got to realize that that fear is a trap. The fear of man in the book of Proverbs bringeth a what? Snare. Oh. And they're trying to lay snares for you. So watch this. Watch this. The fear of man bringeth a... We just said it. Snare. He says, they're laying snares for me, Lord. Right? The snare's not the problem. What's the problem? The fear of the snare. Did you see that? The fear of man bringeth a... Oh, they're laying snares for me. So? I'm good. Why? Because my heavenly Father knew that thing was there. If I start getting afraid of that snare, the devil's got me. He operates in that fear realm. Because fear came from the fall. You know one fear God wants you to have? One fear. Fear of God. Outside of that, you've got to watch out for the overflow of fear. Fear is good. Fear is natural. You should fear the results of sin. But you can't let that fear hijack your life. you got to take it to the Father. That dangerous foe not only sets us up Searches out our iniquity but will stab and shoot at us look at verse 3 who wet their tongue like a sword bend their bows to shoot their arrows even bitter words they shoot they stab and they go after your heart to kill you that's Ephesians chapter 6 that's the fiery darts of the wicked you need to know how to get close to God and that God can help you with fear because you've got a dangerous enemy but something else is in here because fear can derail you Look at verse 1. He says, Hear my voice, O God, in my prayer. Preserve my life from fear of the enemy. He didn't say preserve my life from the enemy. He said preserve my life from fear of the enemy. That's interesting to me. The fear drove David to make mistakes. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. The fear will drive you to make a mistake. The fear of the enemy is that snare we just talked about in Proverbs 29. And look at why we fear him. Look at verse 2. Hide from me the secret counsel of the wicked from the insurrection of the workers of iniquity. Hey, you want to know what gets in your head sometimes? Check this out. You come into my office, right, for marriage counseling. And uh, you, say you're say you're one of the ladies. And me and Miss Grace are in there. Like, I need to talk to you. Okay, come on. let will sit down. and we talk. Sis, could you do us a quick th- quick favor would you just step out for a second we need to talk about something then we'll call you back in here in a minute <laughs> you, you know how that feels to have to step out of the room because they're talking about you <laughs> you ever been there you've been on a job interview best job i ever had man i went on the interview and it was grueling and there was like three or four interviews i had to drive an hour to get to the company and we were going back and forth and and then i decided i was feeling pretty high on the hog so i was gonna start negotiating the salary a little higher you know and we're going back and forth. And, and they're like, Can you just step out for a quick second? There's a bunch of guys at a big conference table. I, st- I remember stepping out and standing there and just like. And then they come out. They sent the lowest guy on the totem pole, the sales manager, to come out and get me. The sales manager came out and gave me, brought me back in. They're all sitting there. And I sat down and I'm like, I'm thinking, you did it now, man, you idiot, you did it now. You're going to lose a great opportunity, you moron, you idiot, you did it now. Hold it together, man, hold it together. They said, all right, don't tell anybody, but we agreed, we'll go ahead and do what you asked. You know what my fear was? They're secretly conspiring against me. That's a bad feeling, ain't it? You know what the devil tell you all the time? They're talking about you. They're setting you up. And the fear starts to build up in your head, and it ain't of God. He recognizes the fear can derail you. The devil knows that. The fierceness of your adversary will also derail you. Notice the sword and the arrows and the bitter words and the shooting in verse 4. You know, you got a fierce adversary. Do you know you know that, right? Man, there are times when it gets on and it just, you know, they say when it rains it pours. And you're like, man, it it can get where the phone rings and you're like, I don't want to pick it up. (laughs) You got a pretty aggressive adversary. That fear of him can derail your relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm going to make my last point and we're done, believe it or not. Almost done. I got looking at this thing and I want to say this very carefully, okay? I'm not going to get emotional. I'm not going to get preaching. I'm not going to get loud. I want to be very careful about what I'm going to say. I got looking at this thing and I even, I I checked it and when I was 100% sure I was right, I I asked about four other preachers that are friends of mine to make sure I was thinking right. Is there anywhere in the Bible you can think of where God told us to fear the devil, the principalities, and the powers? It's a good thought. A couple of passages, some of my friends kicked back at me, and I thought, yeah, I was thinking of that one as well. Closest thing you had was uh, when uh, Michael the archangel contended with the devil. He didn't bring against him a railing accusation but said, the Lord rebuked thee. Remember that? Okay, he was a power, he was a principality above Michael in the sense of there's God as the most powerful being, and then you have Lucifer as the second most powerful being, wiser than Daniel, and you have Michael The archangel doing that battle with him. And Gabriel had to come and back him up. Shows you the the power of the adversary. And so he just said. The Lord rebuke thee. And in that context. It's talking about not speaking evil. About principalities and powers and all that. Oh you go over there to. What is it? The book of Job. It says lay thy hand upon him. Or is it Ecclesiastes? Lay thy hand upon. It's Job. Lay thy hand upon him. Remember the battle. do, do, Do no more. I don't believe. In taunting the devil. You get me in a church service where a guy's preaching like that, I will get my family, I will stand up, and I will walk out. I don't care who knows me. Oh, you can't do that. Oh, all your other friends are here. Guy gets up there and starts taunting the devil and saying that kind of stuff, I'll walk out. You understand me? I don't believe in taunting him. I don't believe in disrespecting the power that he has. Do you understand what I mean by that? That's lay thy hand upon him, remember the battle do no more you don't even rebuke the devil you get around these charismatics that are always rebuking the devil and all this stuff where do you find that in the Bible you know what you do you resist the devil you don't rebuke the devil you don't fight the devil you resist the devil when do you resist the devil After you submit to God. Submit thyself therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. That's that running to the father in a time of fear. Getting close to the father and climbing up on his lap and just saying daddy, daddy help me. What you're doing when you run to the father is you're resisting the devil because the devil, he's the, he's the predator, right? Right? Walketh about as a what? And God put a fear instinct in you because you're the prey. So what are you supposed to do with that, that fight or flight instinct? You fight, but how do you fight? You fight by fleeing. You run right to the Father and you resist the wooing of the devil because what he's going to do is he's going to sit back like he did in the garden and he's going to say, hey, come on over here. Just try it one time. If God really loved you, God would. Your parents are idiots. Why would you get bad news from the doctor? You've been serving the Lord all these years. Come on now. Because he's more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he's only subtle because he's wanting to make a feast out of you, he'll crunch your bones and lick your blood. So what are you supposed to do with your fear? You're never told to fear Him. You kids, you're never told to get all worried about Halloween and Devil's Night. and all. You're not told to worry about that stuff. Where are you told to worry about that in the Bible? You show me where you're told to worry about that. You show me where you're told to be, I think something's in the house. Where's that in your Bible? Please show that to me. You're not told to be worried about all that stuff. You ought to have the fear of God in you that makes you say, I'm not going to do wrong, I'm going to do right. I love God, I want to serve God, I'm staying close to Him because God is so powerful that all the rest of that stuff, it has to get permission to do anything to me and He won't give them permission to do anything to me that would destroy me because He's going to use everything for my good and His glory. That's Romans 8.28. So you get so close to the Father Out of fear of him and getting out of his will. That he keeps you safe from all the rest of that. Look at it and we're done. I want you to notice. Your fellowship with God determines your future. And your fellowship with God will help you handle any fear. Look at it in verse number 9. It says, all men shall fear and shall declare the work of God. For they shall wisely consider of his doing." The righteous shall be glad in the Lord and shall trust in him. And all the upright in heart shall glory. You know the day is coming when all men will finally fear God. Man, that, you know that's going to be a great day. Ask the millennial kingdom. We're not going to be afraid to walk the streets at night. You're not going to be afraid of a snake. I mean, we had our daughter get bit by a rattlesnake, man. You ain't going to ever have to worry about that again. Never again. She stepped on one. But boy, that, that one, they'll just crawl up her leg and lick her face. It won't be... will be like a little puppy dog. You know, like, oh, look at this little Western diamond deck. Oh, you... you know? like, Think about that, man. You're like, oh, honey, are you playing with whatever his name would be? Stevie the Snake? You know what I mean? Like, oh, like no fear. Can you imagine that? Folks, can you imagine that? That day is coming. All the men that don't fear him now will begin to fear him. And When everybody fears God, we won't fear each other. We won't fear what's going to happen with sin. We won't have any of that in the world. That fear will be gone when all men fear God. So the closest you can get to it in this life is fearing God now and it helps you control the fear of everything else. And that's what we need. All men are going to fear Him one day. But in the meanwhile, David figured out what to do with his fear. In verse number one, he went to God and said, Hear my voice, O God. In my prayer, preserve my life from fear. (laughs) You know what we should do with our fear right now? Bottle it up. Pamper it. Worry about it. No. Take it to God in prayer. And when you do, you know what you're going to find in verses 7 and 8? God shall shoot at them with an arrow. Suddenly shall they be wounded. So shall they make their own tongue to fall upon themselves. All that see them shall flee away. So it's like we're going to see it. Haman does in the book of Esther. He goes and he tries to set up the gallows for Mordecai and he hangs on his own gallows. Did you hear me? They're coming after you and God's saying, I'm going to take the arrows they shoot at you. I'm going to curve them up, flip them over, bring them down and put them right through them. That's also in the book of Psalms. I think it's chapter 7. Their arrows shall fall upon their own pate. That's how powerful your father is. The devil's giving me a hard time. Great, run to God. You know what God's going to do? He's going to take what they're trying to do to you and flip it back on them. That's great. You got a father like that? You think you got to be scared? Close with me, if you would, please, in Psalm chapter number 34 and verse number 4. Psalm chapter 34 and verse 4. I like this verse. He says, I sought the Lord... And he heard me, <laughs> and delivered me from all my fears. Isn't that a blessing? I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and delivered me from all my fears. You seeking God with your fear tonight? That's a good question, ain't it? David did. I think I'm learning too. I'm learning a little bit about fear. I think it's been good for me. Because man, that thing teaches you more about your father and makes you appreciate his power and his love and his tenderness, his ability to comfort you and pull you up on his lap and hug you. And to watch him be able to take care of things you could never take care of and line things up you could never line up. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. God is the one that helps you with fear. And in these last days, fear's gonna escalate. You better learn how to manage your fear. And the only way to manage that is with the help of God. All right, let's go ahead tonight. You know what, I, I think I'm going to give you a minute to respond if you want. Anna, can you come to the piano? we got a couple minutes still. It's not, I mean, I've not been 45 minutes preaching. I know it got started a little late. But why don't you go ahead and stand to your feet with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I'm, I want to just let you go, but I think God wants me to give you a chance to respond.